So, welcome to the Catholic, first Catholic Nerds podcast, episode one. I have here with me Colby, Mary, and Cody. Do y'all want to introduce yourselves? And I guess I'll come in on the back end and introduce myself. Sure. I think Colby should go first. I was going to say, y'all go first. I was going to pour myself another glass of wine. but <laughs> um, I've got coffee, you've got wine. Mm-hmm. Well, supposedly red wine is good for your heart, so that's why I'm keeping up with it. Oh, yeah. Gluten-free red wine. We might talk about that later. Right, right. Uh, so, sure, my name is Colby Allen. I am 30 years old. I live in Karen Crow, Louisiana. I'm recently engaged. Um, As in, like, what, two days now? Actually, it happened the weekend before Christmas. What? And we just now are finding out about this? <laughs> yeah, so we were trying to keep it a little quiet so we can tell family. Um, and, of course, there's a million family members you have to talk to. So, uh, And yeah, I actually... be strategic about that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even want to put on Facebook or, or Instagram or anything yet. And she kind of pushed me. She's like, you know, we need to tell people. We need to do this. I'm like, all right, you do whatever you're going to do, and I just have to follow suit. So... <laughs> It's a good way to start the relationship. <laughs> right. Whatever you want, honey. That's that's how this is going to go. <laughs> it reminds me of how Ashton and I start our marriage. We were with uh, Father Bob was presiding, and he was like, y'all want to um, be Eucharistic ministers? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. Ashton, like, scooted me off the altar and was like, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like for your own wedding. Yeah, you know. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> She, she set me straight. <laughs> but uh, this, awesome. is, this is a good sign that we're getting tangential, even just in the introductions. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, so I guess to wrap up, my, uh, I've been working with the same company now for six years. I work in insurance and finance. Um, I enjoy riding motorcycles. And mm-hmm. I collect whiskeys. And I have a beautiful, beautiful fiancé. And um, I guess part of the probably come up at some other point, but I'm also a convert. I've been confirmed now oh, for yeah, right. 10 years, 10 and a half years um, with my family. 10 and a half years, like as of Easter or something like that? As of this past Easter, yeah. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, that's up in a nutshell. And I guess more will come out later. So, see y'all. <laughs> Sweet. And Mary. I'm going to get some more wine. <laughs> <laughs> go, 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 go. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm Mary Reed. Um, I have an amazing husband named Cody, who's also here, although we can't hear him. <laughs> and uh, two beautiful children. Rose is about to be four, and Francis just made two. Um, and I am in the entertainment and law enforcement and uh, uh, food industry. I'm a stay-at-home mother. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's great. We need to get you a badge for that. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's pretty wonderful, pretty eclectic days. Um, I have a theology degree from Notre Dame Seminary. I hear uh, that's the best place to get a theology degree. It's true. It's true. I've heard that, too. And... um, I'm really not sure what else. I used to work for Louisiana Right to Life, so I have a lot of experience with pro-life issues and pro-life apologetics, and uh, just happy to be here and to to participate in this. Okay, so my name is Scott Smith. Um, I'm the one that's dragooned these other guys into um, nerding out with me. 
um, Catholic nerding out with me. I am a lawyer. God help me. Um, <laughs> I also <laughs> have a theology degree um, from same place Mary does from Notre Dame Seminary. Um, I have, well, we all live in Louisiana. I'm from New Roads, and I have four children, six, four, two, and nine, I think not about nine months. My wife is nodding yes, so <laughs> I'm glad she's here with me because I'm gonna, she's my reference on a lot of my uh, things concerning my own life. Um, what else should I mention? Uh, oh, yeah, I blog at uh, the scottsmithblog.com. And I think that's about enough of me. I I may be the nerdiest one here. <laughs> if we need somebody to, you know, be a Catholic nerd expert on, you know, Star Wars, comics, Lord of the Rings, that kind of stuff. I don't have, uh, uh, I think Mary's got a cool, ba- you know, Mary and Cody have their cool pro-life background. Um, Colby, one thing I want you to mention more is that your theology of the body background. But yeah, I'm just you know your classic nerd background, really. <laughs> See, and I used to be a nerd in high school, but then I kind of grew out of it. So yeah, then you got cool, or you know, too cool for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas I think Cody would fight you for the nerdiest designation. Well, he would probably win a fight. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's nerd wrestling, <laughs> we'll just break out my uh, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Trivial Pursuit games. <laughs> we'll do like a double-decker Trivial Pursuit game. Star Wars Trivial Sounds Pursuit. Good. I think I played oh, that yeah. one time with my brother, and that was enough. <laughs> that was the last time. Yeah. <laughs> one and done. So some of the things that I wanted us to talk about tonight, um, we need to pick out a theme song. Of course, being the Christmas season, we may have a seasonal theme song. Um, we be good to talk about the 12 days of Christmas, since we're in the midst of those. And then I was thinking if we had time, we could kind of um, go through our favorite Christmas movies or, you know, kids' Christmas movies kind of stuff. Um, do y'all have off the top of your head any uh, ideas for theme songs? I guess um, if we're talking about the twelve days of Christmas today, we may that may that may end up being like an intro. Sure, sure. Uh, I guess it'd be pretty easy to find some free tracks on SoundCloud or something for holiday theme music for yeah. what, ten seconds, like a ten second clip. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe something like thirty. Um, but uh, but I guess w- once um. You know, once the holidays, are, what should we have like our own theme song? Like, Absolutely. later on. Oh, hey, there's Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself, Cody? Um, hi, I'm Cody. We did. We said our names <laughs> and like our <laughs> families. She already covered how many kids yeah, y'all have, and um, and oh, like what you do. I am Mary's uh, not better half. Uh, <laughs> I work for the Knights of Columbus currently, so uh, I'm a financial professional. Awesome. Uh, graduated from St. Joseph Seminary College. Uh, I guess uh, bringing to the table some background in uh, apologetics, uh, mostly pro-life apologetics and philosophy, uh, and uh, lots of comic books and movies and music and all kinds of fun stuff uh, that I, I enjoy in my spare time and video games of course 
Yeah, I don't have very good knowledge of video games. <laughs> I, I know Cody likes to remembers all the times that they killed me playing video games. Yeah, uh, he's, he's at the school. beach is uh, one phrase that stands out to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm stuck in the water. Um, yeah, and I guess we should mention that Cody and I are both uh, seminary dropouts. <laughs> <laughs> Catholic seminary dropout. Well, I, well, I don't know if you can really say that because I was a Jesuit <laughs> dropout. <laughs> I graduated. Yeah, they, yeah, just kept you, they kept you in long enough until you wanted to quit, right? Yeah, yeah until I figured out, you know, <laughs> that there were different kinds of Catholics out there. <laughs> Some less Catholic than others. Amen but, to that. Yeah. I was like, you ever heard that joke about the, the grandmother that's trying to get her grandson in the seminary? Uh-uh. Please oh, yeah. tell us. Okay, so the grandmother's determined that her grandson's going to be a priest. So she goes to the bishop. says, Bishop, well, my grandson to be a priest. He's like, okay, well, it takes about, you know, eight years. Minor seminary, major seminary. And then he's ordained. She's like, okay. So then, you know, she goes to the Dominican order. And he's like, you know, provincial, I want my grandson to be a priest. Tell me about your order. I was like, oh, it'll take about probably 10 years, you know, to go through the whole program and formation and eventually be a priest. So then she takes him to the Jesuit order <laughs> and asks the provincial, like, you know, I want my grandson to be a priest. You know, what what does your order offer? He's like, well, it'll take about 14 years. She's like, well, I guess we'll pick this one. He's a slow learner. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Shots fired. Now that we've offended a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> see i've got a good one i'm pulling up let's see if i can pull up and guy um <laughs> a guy wants uh needs prayers for a very material thing he goes up to a franciscan and a jesuit he asks a franciscan uh how many rosaries do i need to say to get a ford mustang <laughs> Uh, really, the way I like it is, how many rosaries do I have to say to get a Lamborghini? And the Franciscan replies, what's a Lamborghini? Uh, and so then he goes next to the Jesuit, and the Jesuit replies, what's a rosary? <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, today is day two of the 12 oh, days shoot. of Christmas. <laughs> no, that's not the feast we celebrate. <laughs> okay, wait. Day two or day three? Time out. Time out. You're gonna have to repeat that. Sorry. Okay. So what I just typed and hit enter. We have a friend over. Oh wait. Who was helping us put our oh, kids yeah? to bed? And so I typed something so that she'd know what was going on. Scott is tri- trigging to start. A and pro- I hit okay. enter, but that was not meant for you guys. That was meant for her. <laughs> but my finger just hits enter without me consenting to it. <laughs> so I apologize. So delete all that. Christine, say hi. Hello. Y'all know Christine, uh, huh? Hey. I'm going to say it's yes. Scott. <laughs> Pretty sure you've met her. <laughs> yeah. It's Scott Smith yes, and Colby Allen. Christine is very graciously helping us. Um, oh, Christine says congratulations, Colby. <laughs> she was back you. <laughs> Christine's graciously helping us try to train Francis to go to sleep without breastfeeding. So, so she's coming in and swooping in and being this maternal figure that's not breastfeeding them. That could actually be another topic for us. To yeah, sorry, not to derail, but so one of my other friends was telling me recently they've had issues with their baby um, sleeping at night. Mm-hmm. She's in a mom's group. Uh, it's called Well Read Moms, so it's like a book club. 
And randomly, one of the moms brought up the topic that they, um, they like family sleep, where there's like basically all the kids sleep with the parents. But she was embarrassed to bring it up, and she said, "But once she brought it up, almost all of the moms in the group brought up that they do something like that." Yeah, it's pretty common co-sleeping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like made the joke at first. I'm like, "What are they Jewish?" Like, <laughs> you know, everybody's in one room, but <laughs> trying to get um, them out of the house. Right, right, but. Uh, I guess family dynamics, you know, could be another topic because she's embarrassed, you know, to even talk about it because they have issues with their their toddler getting to sleep um, by himself or staying asleep, and the only thing that ever consoles him is like being with them, and so like, I guess talking about Western culture, how we have to have everything separated and segregated, yeah. where like parents parents have to have their own space and the kids have to have their own space, versus most other Eastern or, you know not as Westerners as us countries. Non-Western. Um, still, like, have some notion of, like, family sleeping. Right. Like, historically. Right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, we've we've right. done, like, different, like, amounts of co-sleeping. We've just sort of figured whatever we need to do is kind of <laughs> what we do. Yeah, to get the job done. Yeah. <laughs> but, like... I don't know, like trying not to rely too heavily on it, but not to be afraid of it either. If it's kind of what needs to happen in a given sure. situation, and I, I know poor Ashton's been uh, uh, the our youngest, the baby that's nine months, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Joy. Um, she's been pretty much nursing all night. <laughs> like she's had yeah. some serious separation anxiety. But I mean, on one hand, you know the nursing versus non-nursing and co-sleeping versus i think that probably plays into it just because the kid wants that right proximity comfort but uh i you know when the mother nurses speaking as from a father's perspective or maybe just from my very individual perspective it's like i don't have much to do at all <laughs> or i'm just like i am so <laughs> less capable of helping of helping the kid comforting the child compared to her you know it's like yeah, it's you know just it's funny how like nursing is such sort of a blessing, but it also can be like I don't know, it can be intense, <laughs> and <Yeah>. it can <laughs> it's like baby yeah cooking. yeah, and also like <laughs> so I just always assumed because our babies fell asleep so easily while nursing, I assumed that was what one did was nurse babies to yeah. get them to sleep, and I'm only just finding out from friends that like that's how you end up with a baby that only will go to sleep nursing you know yeah, so it's like 30 right. years old and can't get to sleep without a hot milk right which know. i mean seems very logical right but like until it was pointed yeah. out to me like oh yeah like you need to make sure they don't fall asleep while nursing and set them down when they're sleepy it's like oh that makes a heck of a lot of sense just never so for our next one we are going to be trying <laughs> we're going to be doing things a little differently not not yeah each new kid's like a duel. it is it really is <laughs> But it's also a completely different kid. So, like, you make all these plans, and then you're like, whoop. Yeah. Totally different situation. They and God laugh at your plans. Yeah. See, and that's why siblings are always so different, because they have different parenting styles. It's true. Yeah. That were applied to them. It's true. (laughs) It's like, I don't know, one of those movies where people keep reliving the same day over and over again, and, you know. Yeah, Groundhog Day. Mm. That should count as a favorite holiday movie. That is one of my favorite movies. (laughs) I mean, of course, it's not, you know, it's Groundhog Day is the holidays. That's kind of a subpar holiday for yeah. an awesome movie. But, oh, there's, there's a good message in that movie. 
Um, so Bill Murray and I actually share a birthday, so he's one of my favorite actors oh, because nice. of that. But the movie itself has a really good meaning. So, because uh, you know, all the time that he's reliving the days when he's selfish, it's never fruitful or fulfilling. And it isn't until he becomes selfless and making a gift of his time for other people that he actually becomes, you know, fulfilled or actually has some joy in Is his day. Is that so. what that movie's about? I've never seen it. I've never <laughs> seen know, it. It's a little, it's a little <laughs> tricky to figure it out, but yes. Because I had wanted to write, like, I had seen a video once about, like, writing fiction. And, like, it was just asking some questions about, like, if you were to write fiction, what would you want to write about? And I was like, the more I thought about it, I was like, I think I want to write a book about essentially what you just said. So dang it mm-hmm. it's already been done <laughs> <laughs> no it's Oops. true not not to give away too much of the plot but yeah as he kind of figures out that he's living the oh, same yeah. day over I and think over you can go straight into i think that's uh no need even for spoiler alert on that's right. in the public domain <laughs> of spoilers all right well then we'll just dive right into it <laughs> yeah. uh, go for it um but yeah so as he figures out you know he's living the same day over and over he starts to figure out how he can manipulate or have some type of like personal pleasure in each day without any consequence. Mm. Um, And so he starts doing all these different activities to try to maximize his pleasure, such as like hooking up with different women, uh, eating all these different unhealthy foods. Um, He starts doing all this stuff that's just not fruitful, like even like robs like an armored truck, right? (laughs) Um, As they're making a cash delivery. Yeah, and Uh, harasses poor Ned, the insurance salesman. Right, right. (laughs) So he does all these really kind of nefarious and and annoying things to his own detriment to where he starts to become extremely unhappy. Um, And it isn't until he starts using his time to help and serve other people that he becomes, you know, actually experiencing some joy. Uh, So, like, he learns to play the piano. Um and really his whole goal you kind of notice like throughout each day or each episode is he has this goal of seducing this one woman that he works with andy mcdowell andy mcdowell right so and pretty. so and so <laughs> um but he realizes you know every time he really lives a day where he tries to like manipulate her it doesn't work out and it's not until he starts to actually do things that are fruitful to develop himself and develop other people that things start to turn positive um, so again, like he learns to play the piano. Um, he began, you know, very involved in like some of the local groups uh, and within the community. Like he does things very positive. Like he saves people, right. you know, like he, that he knows are either going to get sick or get hurt. So like he does all these really positive things. And it's only when he starts doing those things to be productive with his time that he actually becomes fulfilled. And then he gets to move on with his life. So what and what's happened at the end where, you know, Punxsutawney Phil the you know the groundhog is like driving the the truck in his lap like Toonses the driving cat well, is there like the a episodes. bomb or something that no, no 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 <laughs> so one of the days where he when he becomes miserable he's finding different creative ways to kill himself so yeah, he finds the, putting the toaster in the bathtub and that kind of stuff yeah so that's actually one of the ways that he kills himself was that he kidnaps the groundhog and steals a truck uh-huh. and he runs the truck off a cliff Okay, I was thinking that was more the climate. So is this thing a, a comedy or is it like super dark? Because it's really <laughs> no, it's hard a to comedy. Tell. <laughs> even and it's kind of weird to say too. Like even the the scenes of morbidity where he tries to kill himself, like there's humor. Yeah. In them. Um, but it's not like a morbid, dark, you know, horrific movie. Um, and it does turn out really well. In well, the my end. interest is peaked. 
yeah. it's a good movie. It is one of my top, I would say, top ten movies. Um, and so I definitely recommend seeing it. Cool. So on that topic, uh, what's everybody's top uh, Christmas movie? Oh, gee. Like, okay, and you got, you know, there's we have to subdivide a little bit because there's, you know, your favorite movie as a kid and then now your favorite movie that you, you know, that you have to watch at Christmas time. Oh, my time. gosh. Can I give, like, you know, a slightly larger number than one? Like, you know, like 23 <laughs> or so? Or <laughs> Well, maybe cap it at 21. <laughs> um, for me, It's a Wonderful Life, like, all growing up. Yeah. We watched that, like, repeatedly throughout Christmas and, and other parts of the year too but it just really spoke to our family a lot the idea of like the value of each person and um and also like the the uh, i think a part that particularly spoke to us was where the guy like yells at him to get out of the road like when he's about to kill himself you know what i'm talking about like on the bridge yeah on the bridge and the guy's like what are you doing Mm -hmm. look where you're going you know and um like the whole theme of the movie is that guy spells it out right yeah there. yeah like i mean that you literally when you're talking to people like you literally don't know if they're like at the end of their rope you know or, or on the edge um and also just you know what life is about which is kind of similar to what we were just talking about with groundhog day <laughs> you know like that life mm-hmm. life is all about um doing like doing for others you know and building other people up um yeah, that's kind. Of, it's funny because this one of life is almost the opposite of Groundhog. Oh, is it really? <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, because instead of reliving your life again, oh, again with yeah. yourself as a focus, it's mm-hmm. your life without yourself right. at all. Instead, and Bill Murray's the guy who does all, all things for himself, and you know, whoever happens to his life, and then um, uh, you know, George Bailey has does nothing for right. himself is constantly sacrificing his dreams so yeah that's funny i never saw those are like the black and white negative yeah. is there even ones in black and white ones in color <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true so who's who's your favorite character from it's wonderful life because i want to say who mine is who, who's my favorite character <laughs> yeah. um not counting george not bailey, counting course, george bailey oh that's rough um Colby, yeah, you feel free to jump in too. Sure, sure. I don't know. I mean, of course, Clarence the Angel has some. I was going to say Clarence. You can't. Yeah, he has Clarence. some of the best yeah, lines. I mean, I think I've always identified a lot with Mary for very mysterious the reasons. The Virgin Mother. You know, <laughs> can't imagine why. Like even as a kid, I was like, "That's the kind of wife I want to grow up to be." But I mean, you know, hasn't quite panned out yet. But. Um, but just like how, like you, you like take an old abandoned house, I, yeah, and fix it up for the honeymoon with posters. Although, whenever and, like yeah. I like paint a room in our house or something, I do like have like like images in my head of her like putting up the wallpaper in their house. You know, like day after day, she made their house into a home. You know, <laughs> and all that. Um, but but yeah, just her quiet support of him and like how she's you know he's he's a rock in himself you know what i mean like he's it's not like he's a flighty person oh shoot i'm talking too loud for the kids falling asleep but <laughs> it's not like he's he's excited. such a strong person but she's also such a strong person and um like the way she handles like when he's falling apart and stuff you know it's just so sort of beautiful and how she sees the value in all that he's done 
you know and she she too could have lived this life that would have been more luxurious potentially if she had chosen other paths you know but this is the life she wanted was this life of doing good for others i i mean she's like i'm just i'm thinking she's like an angel like she dedicated herself like when she's a little girl you know she leans over the counter and says is this your bad ear you know i love you my whole life george (laughs) bailey you Mm -hmm. know and she does because when george isn't around in the alternate universe you know the parallel reality or whatever um she's a a a spinster librarian yeah Mm -hmm. you know she never does marry anybody else not and not even remember who she's dancing with at the party do you remember like who george uh takes her away from it's like that little kind of dorky Guy. It's it's the grown up Alfalfa from the Little Rascals. Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah, same actor. So well, she didn't marry him, thank God. <laughs> well, and she's kind of a perfect example of like the whole um, which this is like a deep topic that could possibly like derail everything, but um, like the submission thing, you know, like that a wife is that that when we say the submission of a wife, it's really being supportive of the mission of her husband, you know, and she's kind mm-hmm. of a, an exemplary figure of that in in a movie you know that she's there just like you know kind of reinforcing everything that he's doing his whole life and he her name just happens to be mary yeah and it's a pretty great he, name. he very yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he does i mean it gives him the opportunity to to be the christ figure for the and ultimately he is the savior of the whole town Versus the you know the evil figure, Mr. Evil. Potter. Mr. Potter, yeah. 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 So yeah, I guess you already took everybody's uh, favorite character when you said Clarence. Uh, well, I didn't slash take Mary. him. I took Mary. <laughs> I just said he's pretty great. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there's not as much to say about Clarence. Come to think of it, after all the good things you said. Well, about he's Mary. super pro-life. Oh, what's he? Uh, what's he do that's um, pro-life? Each man's life I'm, touches so many other lives. Oh yeah. And when he's not there, it leaves a terrible yeah. hole. Oh, that's hmm. awesome. I was gonna say something stupid about how his, you know, favorite book is uh, <laughs> Tom Sawyer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like his voice too, but well, uh, so what's yours, Colby? What's your f- favorite? He's gonna be like, I've never uh, seen Diet. Were you about to say Die Hard? Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. So I was at my fiance's house for Christmas, and we were um, trying to pick a movie to watch. And I think we picked the Santa Claus too. Mm-hmm. And uh, her dad was like, "Oh, well, the only good Christmas movie that's ever been is Die Hard." I'm like, <laughs> all right, don't be one of those people, you know. Have, um, have you? Did you see the the Christmas meme? It's not Christmas until I see Hans Gruber fall from Zapateca <laughs> Tower or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, um, Alan Rickman recipes. <laughs> yep, yep. Poor Alan. Rickman. Um, <laughs> you know, this is gonna make me sound terrible, but actually, I don't think I have a favorite Christmas movie. That uh, makes you sound terrible. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, We're virtually together anyway. Uh, probably. I mean, if I had to guess, a movie that was around Christmas time. Oh, um, what was it? I saw a movie one time called The Holiday. Like, ho- oh, The Holiday. Oh, with, oh, uh, oh. Was it Claire Danes? And, I love um, The Holiday. Yeah. And Is Jack it Claire Danes? Yeah, Jack Black. 
Kate Winslet. Um, oh, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. Kate Winslet. Yeah, Cameron Diaz and Jack Black. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's not the it's not the best movie, but <laughs> um, that's probably the last movie I saw that was like around Christmas time. Um, as a theme, it's got some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely shows because I do remember um, was a Duke Law's character. Uh, they kind of put this mysterious aura around like him having this other woman in his life, uh, and it comes to be his daughter. Hmm. Um. So like she, have you seen the movie Scott or no? Yeah, no, I've okay. seen it, but just once. Okay, but yeah, but like you know, she's like they went on a date, they're having this you know good time, and you know she's like wanting to get close to him, but he's kind of defensive or, or guarded. Um, and come to find out, the, the quote unquote other woman in his life is his daughter. Uh, and so I don't know. It's just interesting to see, but for me, I guess Christmas, and I guess it kind of relates to this movie, but like Christmas is not really or has become more of like a vacation or retreat season instead of like a religious um, or a liturgical season for most people, uh, which is very unfortunate. And I guess it can tie into our, our theme of 12 days of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been disenchanted with the whole commercialization before Christmas. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> um, it's actually one of the things me and my now fiance have disagreed on because she's all about christmas right she's all about let's buy decorations put in the house let's buy a tree let's do this this and this and i'm like the first thing that comes to my mind is like well that's all stuff i gotta take down in two weeks. <laughs> those are all allergies <laughs> right right um but not many people focus on the actual liturgical aspect of what christmas is um so this year um having having s- just barely survived putting up Christmas ornaments on our house in past years, you know, breaking various parts of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> this year we finally, uh, our Christmas ornaments, uh, Ashton, at, my wife asked me to do this from when we first bought the house. We finally did this year. We made a um, big giant advent wreath in our yard. Nice. With Christmas lights. And so, um, you know, like with timber posts and concrete, you know, standing upright and with concrete and buckets and stuff like that but um you know so we wrapped the timber posts in the respective colors for the advent wreath and then we'd light one each week and the kids kind of got into it and so it's kind of that's kind of our way of you know it's not just glitz and grammar and uh, did I say glamour <laughs> did you so are you guys actually lighting these on fire Okay. No, we got like uh, <laughs> I was just curious. I got off Amazon. <laughs> I got like these like something pulled up. <laughs> got this like these LED like uh, lights off Amazon that there's like they they have like a thousand l- little arms shooting off the the core, so it's like this burst of light Ooh. and it kind of has different colors shooting out. That sounds it's more kinda... legit than what we we so we have something similar, but it's like um, it's like little uh. I don't know what to call it like little candelabras little individual little stakes with like a little glass hurricane lamp at the top yeah, that sounds and cool. um kind of sounds like a old miss tailgate <laughs> and we have like the little battery operated votive candles and like a bow on them but it's like we're i don't know it's like kind of our little um i don't know what to call it silent protest or something <laughs> to the yeah. neighborhood because mm-hmm. this year we like we um we 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 instituted a ton of advent traditions this year 
but we're kind of realizing, or I'm realizing, I think Cody's perfectly satisfied, but I'm like realizing that I didn't plan on enough for the Christmas season. Um, that we had so much build up, but it, it was Advent build up mm-hmm. in fairness, but still like now that we've got Christmas, it's like we have less, less traditions that we're doing. But um, we started a thing this year where the first Sunday of Advent, we put out our advent wreaths the second week we put out our indoor decorations and talked to the kids about like we're preparing our hearts for christ like the inside of the house and then like oh and we're we're showing it to the world so we put up our lights the third week and put up our tree the fourth week well so and it was like the end of the third week that we put up our lights and our neighbors have done their lights kind of to complement ours over the last few years because we share like trees so their lights had been up since like the day after thanksgiving yeah, yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah which is, is totally great. But their lights had been up since the day after Thanksgiving, whereas ours waited like three weeks to go up. And they took theirs down yesterday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so our joint lights. Our 12 days of Christmas. Yeah, times, I'm like, geez, that was only like, that was less than 48 hours of Christmas. So <laughs> so our joint light display existed. Jesus grew up so fast. I know fast. he did. <laughs> Kids grew up so fast. Our said. joint light display lasted for grand total of like four days before (laughs) before it was taken down we have sort of a new advent wreath tradition in addition to the lawn ornaments we um i guess i think ash and i both did this we kind of you know the kids each want to blow out a candle right like that they like will kill each other for the opportunity to blow out the candles um so some of the kids are shorter than others so like i have to kind of lower um, the two-year-old kind of to blow out the candle and well long story short he's short half an eyebrow now well <laughs> oh, gosh. we had to trim his hair i kept singeing my children <laughs> we may or may not have have set a small little clump of hair on fire on one of our children but so it smells like burnt yeah. feathers that which is a reference to one of my favorite Christmas wait wait movies. don't don't say it wait wait little women yes yeah. exactly oh. Yes. Yeah, the March sisters. It's not Christmas without the March sisters. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. But yeah, Cody went to help her blow it out. He was behind her, and he gave a big, you know, and he didn't realize that he caught some of her hair. So the candle went out, but oh, as it went no. out, some of her hair passed through. Oh god! It's oh like god. it's like the way Dobby does. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Confession: oh, I've only seen the Harry Potter movies once. One time. Confession. Confession. I've only seen one Harry Potter oh, movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> Confession. And it wasn't even voluntary. <laughs> Confession. I've seen them like, I don't know, 70 times each. <laughs> Confession. They're playing right now. <laughs> that reminds oh, me goodness. of like in Parks and Recreation when when Anne is telling Leslie, nope, that she forces people to do things. She's like, you forced me to watch all mm-hmm. eight Harry Potter movies. I don't even like Harry Potter. And Leslie Nope's <laughs> like, you love Harry Potter. You watched all eight movies. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> you love it. We Colby. are literally watching Harry Potter right now. Are you really? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> no, I just had to find a way to say literally. <laughs> literally. So my favorite kid Christmas movie um, it is uh, Santa Claus the movie, which is uh-huh. not the Santa Claus, right, right? right? Not like the you know the legal clause, and it, I feel like nobody, unless you were born in 1983 and you know hit your childhood groove in 86, 87, 
even remember Santa Claus the movie. Do do either of y'all remember it at all? No. I remember watching it, but I couldn't tell you what it's about. Well, it's about Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it it is like the uh, you know, if we're talking Inside Out, like the golden, the core memories, you know, of your childhood. That's some of my core memories. Like um, that to me is the best uh, representation, like the origins of Santa Claus and. Like his wood uh, workshop and stuff. Oh, this isn't the the claymation. So, Santa Claus is coming to town that we're talking about, right? No, no, okay. no. Just making this sure. is, I watched that one over the, the weekend. This is so. I actually just looked it up. So, consider Sky. Consider you're the only one that was alive when this movie came out. Nineteen eighty five. Yeah. Pretty sure I saw. I, it in I theaters. might have been alive, just in utero at that point, and therefore unable to watch <laughs> movies. In utero is where I first saw the Anna Green Gables movies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, the Santa Claus movie, it's got, I always forget the name of uh, the guy who plays Santa Claus, but if you're looking up, you can tell me. But it's, David Huddleston? Yeah, that's right. He um, He's played in some westerns and stuff, um, but it's got Dudley Moore's patch, like the mm-hmm. chief elf. Or not chief elf, but like the inventive elf. And then um, uh, John Lithgow is the evil toy maker. And then it's got one of the coolest actors ever, Burgess Meredith, you know, uh-huh. uh, Mickey from Rocky as yeah. the, uh, the chief elf or the elder elf. That's what uh, it says. I'm pretty, he has a beard that's like, I don't know, um, 200 feet long and needs like 40 elves to carry it in two lines behind him. It's the coolest thing <laughs> ever. Wow. And I'm pretty sure my early understanding of uh, God was based off of uh, Burgess Meredith's uh, ancient elf figure. <laughs> and slowly I adapted it to <laughs> more orthodox standards. But that was a, that was some key memories for me anyway. Well, dang, I'm about to put that in my queue and go watch it. It's so good. At least the first half. The second half, you know, just becomes a giant commercial for uh, McDonald's and Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Product placement. <laughs> Well, I know it's got a 6 out of 10 on IMDb, so I'm not sure how good it is. I mean, that seems uh, not bad. Well, th- it's probably fully rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my, I guess my adult movie is um, what Ash and I always watch is Holiday Inn, which that's where you first get um, the song White Christmas, not actually from White Christmas, right? It's originally from Holiday Inn. Yeah. So, uh, that, and, yeah, that's awesome movie. Well, that's good. So, actually, I will say I just watched White Christmas for the first time this last weekend. Oh, yeah? Yeah, with, with Valerie. Um, so, same, I think I remember seeing it when I was a kid, but I just couldn't recall, because my grandmother used to watch all those old-time movies, like, all the time. Um, so, like, it seemed a little familiar, but we're watching it again. It was pretty good. I love the, um, the you know the military like how they're honoring the general and everything in White yes. Christmas. Yes. But the Danny K, some of the um, you know dance numbers are a little like avant garde or like modern, just a little mm-hmm. freaky for a Christmas movie. Oh, ask my wife just brought um, baby Elizabeth in to snicker at me. <laughs> Here, let me hold her. Let's see if she'll if she has separation anxiety coming away from her mom. Oh. Oh, there she goes. Yep. <laughs> Heard it. 
guess. So uh, you mentioned Jude Law a little ways back. I just wanted to say that Jude Law is going to be in the new Captain Marvel movie. Really? He's going to be like Captain Marvel or like the old Captain Marvel. And then, you know, Brie Larson's going to be like the the main Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Neat. And I guess a lot of people are curious to see how this is going to start tying into. Because apparently the Captain Marvel movie happens, of course, before yeah it's uh, like Infinity in the War. 90s or something yeah it's like way ahead of time um which it's weird it's like that you know are the 90s does that make it a period piece now <laughs> i mean is that far enough in the past that you know it like re- you know requires all its own fads and everything i mean it'd probably have to uh i mean because even though it's within the series or within the the marvel universe it's I mean, it's going to be its own movie. Um, I, I like how uh, X-Men Apocalypse, you know, kind of had that 80s feel, or like early 90s, I guess. With yeah. Was X-Men Apocalypse, and then what was the other one? Was it First Class? Yeah, which was yeah. like seven, well, um, there's one between there that I think had the 70s feel to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think they're right now. You can like, or maybe a month ago, you could. Um, they Brie Larson came out in all the different costumes that Cap- Captain Marvel was gonna wear. Like, there's the green one, like when she's with the Kree, uh, and then like you know the red, gold, and blue, which is like the more normal. The typical, yeah. Uh, I also heard they're doing um, Great American Hero, which is like, have you ever heard of that show? Like, no. The, greatest american hero it's um it's, it's like from the 70s but uh yeah they're like remaking it um huh. because i think abc is doing it they still have the rights you know that's like I don't, well i guess if it's abc that they have everything disney would have access to i don't know why they'd use that but yeah so it, it's going to be updated with instead of you know a white dude it's going to be like a um like an Afghani or a Pakistani woman that um, is, uh, she, I think she fought, um, was like this special elite, special forces with the Afghan army. Or Okay. And she comes, uh, somehow she gets to America, but it's, it's an interesting twist on an old story. Gotcha. Old, you know, meaning 70s. Yeah. Well, that's one thing you'll definitely have to, the main voice in because I never kept up with anything comic book or um, typical Marvel or DC stuff. I mean, once the movie started coming out, I did start reading a little bit of backstories just to kind of have an idea of the stories. Um, but I never really kept up with any of the the actual, you know, fandom. It's I mean, it's insane. Uh, if have you seen like the you know the movies planned for the future like just, like. The hundreds of Marvel and DC movies oh, yeah. planned out. I mean, oh yeah, it's like they planned out at least a decade into the future. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's mind-boggling. Well, I think it kind of plays on. I know some friends and I were talking about this one time, but like, it seems like every new movie that comes out, you know, is a new box office record. Mm-hmm. Um, like Aquaman. I yeah, I don't necessarily think it's because movies are more popular. I think it's because they keep raising ticket prices. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of an artificial. Right, it's an artificial inflation. Um, 
but yeah like everything is just so hype now that it just gets built up and built up and built up and then it just it's just this release um so they have to continue it's almost like the same business model that apple uses where you know they have to develop like you know this big update that they have to market and you know produce to get everyone's hype up uh you know to, to keep attention because if they don't you just lose it I'm, I'm looking up as we're talking you know the highest grossing films like adjusted for inflation and they say i mean it's not on the list i'm looking at number one is avatar and then titanic but they say that the um that gone with the wind adjusted for inflation is still the number one highest grossing wow just i mean well some of these make sense yeah I mean, well, was it filmsite.org? I just typed it in at Google and this one popped up. But yes, it's Gone with the Wind, Star Wars Episode 4, and The Sound of Music are the top three. Yeah, it looks Which like makes sense. On, on this one, in terms of uh, worldwide gross, it looks like Avengers Infinity War popped up to number four. Wow. I'm just glad that Jurassic... Well, that's just Jurassic World. I want Jurassic Park to be up here. Oh, man. Let's see if we can get into some of this days of christmas thing so i can oh yeah um so so. what i have is uh days day zero basically is christmas day and then day one is the 26th which is feast of saint stephen boxing day and then this would be day two um the feast of saint john the evangelist is that do y'all have a different yeah (laughs) i think christmas is the first day that's what my expectation like liturgically because because let's see it ends at um i mean that (laughs) definitely makes a lot of sense (laughs) well i mean yeah it depends on the liturgical calendar but it's not always exactly 12 days right maybe that's it because they because the 6th of january is the is that always the feast of the epiphany let's see so google being the authority on all things liturgical says that the first day this year <laughs> that the first day <laughs> yeah. this year is Tuesday December 25th and the 12th is Saturday January 5th but so 12th night is the eve of the I epiphany yes I don't know goes? I don't know so maybe you're right so that's that's the issue hmm. I guess right there is what you were saying I mean maybe it's 12th night so maybe it's like the vigil of epiphany is the 12th night you know what I'm saying? Hmm. Like with sunset. Yeah, I see. Because, <coughs> well, because I don't, I don't know. Go ahead. I don't know. Well, I've got one of the in my the article I wrote about this, um, which I wrote last year, so it's not as fresh as I'd like it to be. But um, so in the Middle Ages, the first three feasts, um, the first three days of Christmas. Um, it was a tradition that they each were dedicated to a different part of the clergy. So, like, if if the numbering starts with the first day, I mean, the, the day after Christmas, it would be St. Stephen for deacons, mm-hmm. um, John the Evangelist for uh, priests, and then the Holy Innocents, which would... Is that day so. three? Yeah. So that would be um, young men, seminarians, um, you know, training for the clergy. Or um, even altar servers. So, I don't know. At least, 
I don't know, maybe in the Middle Ages, the, the first three days were those three feasts. I don't know. I mean, we'll have to, I wish we, I wish I could say this definitively. It seems like it makes a lot more sense what y'all are saying, though. No, sure. What I've, I mean, what I've read and found says Roman Catholic liturgical feasts on the general Roman calendar. Um, the first day is the Feast of St. Stephen, Proto-Martyr. The 27th is the Feast of St. John the Apostle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Feast of the Holy Innocents. Those are the first three days? The first three well, days. Well, this is stupendous. Oh, okay. well, then, we get extra the, day. Then the following, <laughs> oh, and then the following <laughs> Sunday. Well, then it says, well, the 20, uh, I'm just 29th. Glad my blog article hasn't been wrong for a whole year. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it says 28th is the Feast of the Holy Innocents, and then the 29th is the Feast of St. Thomas, Thomas Beckett. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Sunday within the octave is the Feast of the Holy Family. Yeah, I see, so let me scroll down to Feast of... Yeah, and not to forget Day 5, the Feast of St. Edwin of Worcester. Always popular. (laughs) But so, today, um, December 27th, the Feast of St. John the Evangelist, um, what what I love to mention about St. John, or, you know, St. John the Apostle, like Colby said, is that, you know, that... um, that verse at the end of John's Gospel, uh, it's chapter 21, like 20, 20 through 25, um, where Jesus and Peter are talking. And, you know, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, mm-hmm. that, that whole discussion. And um, uh, Peter, like, says, well, what about him, you know? And uh, speaking in reference to John the Apostle, and Jesus says, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You know, it's that weird little passage that Peter's like, well, they knew something. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, from that verse, you have this tradition that perhaps John didn't die, you know, and that you uh, may even, uh, it's like a ancient Catholic legend that he may even be, you know, still walking the earth, which I... I'm the only one that I read that and I'm like... You know, I, that what I've always, I've always Wait been told it means like that he wasn't going to die a martyr's death, you know, but, but I'm always like, but what if, <laughs> what if he's still alive? <laughs> yeah. We're not ruling this it's out. It's funny, like, I don't think anyone's made but, a movie about that. You know, like you have so many movies of like, like that Joshua movie or like the shack or, you know, different kind of strange things but like no, I, I've never seen anything where it's like oh yeah that's the Apostle John when you know in saying that now like now that you're talking about it I don't think I've ever had a conversation yeah. with anybody talk about that really no because we got to ask you what Dr. Petrie says about this well <laughs> if I've never heard of it then I've never heard have of we, it <laughs> yeah. have we said about y'all's uh, unique oh yeah you need to mention that um, I will ask him that question this weekend, though, because we have our family Christmas Day on Sunday. Uh, yeah, so one of the ties that bind us all together is the awesomeness of Dr. Brant Petrie, who just happens to be Colby's uncle, right? Yes. Hmm. He. Uh, so his wife and my mother are sisters, which would make him my uncle. Um. So it's always a funny topic of conversation when people were talking about him. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my uncle. And they're like, what? What do you, what do you, what? He doesn't have family. Um, 
<laughs> no, he doesn't. He he's was Saint born John. from the sea foam. Walking the so earth. He's, he's got a bunch of his. <laughs> yeah. He's got a bunch of his own kids, but he does have other family, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's one thing we'll have to do eventually is get him on. Oh, with that would us. be. That'd be awesome. Well, even even with my connections, that'd probably still be a difficult task. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to promise that. <laughs> Gotta deliver, man. <laughs> deliver the goods. Mm-mm. <sighs> um. So yeah. So just to round it out, I think. I mean, Colby, you kind of said we, day four, uh, December 29th, feast of Thomas of Becket, uh, Saint Thomas of Becket, uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, martyred. Uh, day five. Feast of St. Edwin of Worcester. It's a pretty great name. Just, yeah. I mean, it's almost as cool as Mm -hmm. Hedwig. And if you scramble the letters, (laughs) it's pretty much there. But uh, that, so that was just a, just, um, is a, he was a Benedictine bishop, established monasteries in England. Um, Then day six, December 31st, New Year's Eve. On that day, we celebrate Pope Sylvester, Pope St. Sylvester the first. Um, and that's even New Year's Eve is still some people still call it Sylvester, um, mm-hmm. like S I L Vester, um, mm-hmm. based on because of Pope Saint Sylvester. And then day seventh, uh, day seventh, day seven, <laughs> the first of January. That's the feast of the Solemnity of Mary. Um, you know that we have a whole feast of just Mary's motherhood is pretty awesome. Um. Let's see, day eight, Feast of Saints Basil, Basil the Great and Gregory Nazianzus, some of our Cappadocian fathers. Day nine, Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus. Day ten, Feast of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, uh, you know, our patron saint of Catholic education, my wife's confirmation saint. Day eleven, uh, Epiphany Eve, also the Feast of St. John Newman. Um, one of the cool things about St. John Newman uh is that he was the pastor in Pittsburgh, and can y- can y'all guess who his associate pastor was? Nope. Blessed Silos. Oh, wow. oh. Yeah. So can you imagine being in a parish where you've got like two future saints as your pastor and associate pastor? And then finally, day 12, Feast of the Epiphany. <laughs> we said, you said that so nonchalantly. <laughs> it's just the Feast of the Epiphany. <laughs> Not, not much. Yeah. Not build, much. Build happened. everything up all the days before, and then I was just not not much happened that day. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. So if I ran through that pretty fast, anything stand out about any of those days or any um, stirrings about any particular day? Um, not anything significant, but I will say Saint Basil stands out to me because a friend of mine has a pet rabbit whose name is Basil. <laughs> <laughs> named after St. Basil the Great. Oh, not named after Basil Rathbone, the voice of Sherlock Holmes from like the 1920s. Whereas, <laughs> similar, totally similar uh, experience, the priest who walked me down the aisle at our wedding was named Father Basil. So, just like wow, just like the rabbit cool. connection. I'm joking. Uh, yeah, that that's <laughs> just a little bit. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> but he did actually. There is a, a rodent connection that he had a ferret, um, that he much beloved ferret that he gifted to us when he moved away. So there actually is a, a rabbit ferret. Oh, that's where yeah, those ferret from came Father from. Father Basil, yes. Oh. oh. Well, there's more than one rodent connection, unless I, I might be messing this up. But in the Great Mouse Detective, 
<laughs> movie. <laughs> uh, you know, which is based off Sherlock Holmes. The name of the mouse is Basil, based off of Basil Rathbone being the oh, so funny. Sherlock Holmes actor from the 30s. Or well, so something that stood out yeah. to me from all the feast days is it seemed like it was kind of alternating between martyrs and like great teachers or great you know and oh, that's cool. and with um with saint john just thinking about like one of the main things i associate with christmas is light you know like light in the darkness mm-hmm. and um like just at the beginning of the gospel of john you know like about the light came among us you know um mm-hmm. but that just seems like really poignant for for the whole 12 days of christmas and that all of those people are light in the darkness Hmm. I think even um, the Eastern um, Church, um, Eastern Orthodoxy, they celebrate on the Epiphany. They combine it uh, with the Baptism of the Lord. I think they celebrate those together. And hmm. either its current or an- ancient name of the feast was uh, Phobesimos or Photosimos. Something, it's it's a feast of light, yeah. right? Huh. Uh, and both those things represent to them light. Um, there's, pro- there's probably a lot more that could be said about that if I had prepared. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I mean, I think you're spot on with that. And it's even enshrined in the liturgical calendar of the Eastern Church. Well, I think it's good, too, how you pointed out the theme of either martyrs or great teachers. Because mm-hmm. um, one of the things that stood out to me is St. John Newman falls within these days. Mm-hmm. And my, a lot of people don't really make this, you know, like, I guess, valuation. But, you know, most Catholic campus ministries originally were started as what are called Newman centers. Um, and so St. John Newman was actually attributed with um, starting a lot of educational, uh, you know, initiatives um, where he was within the diocese. And so a lot of... Uh, educational ministries are attributed or you know paid homage to St. John Newman um, and I should I should disambiguate uh, uh, <laughs> I feel like this I could have thought of a shorter word for that but um, the um, this so this is St. John Newman let's see it's N-E-U-M-A-N-N mm-hmm. um, there's there's also another John Newman um, spelled differently, but then there's also uh, John Henry Newman, um, mm. Cardinal John Henry Newman, maybe um, the Anglican convert in England. Uh, you know, from England, I th- I want to say that's where the Newman centers came from. Okay, and I don't know if somebody can help help me clarify that, but because the Newman centers are spelled N E W M A N, right? I cannot confirm this. I'm not sure. I th- I think that's right. Well, um, if we're wrong, we'll just I'll um, make sure to chastise myself with a correction in the next um, podcast. Or thank you for correcting me. So I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, like I was I was trying to do a post on John Newman last year, and I think I posted the wrong Newman, and it wasn't John Henry Newman. It's like there's another John Newman that's just spelled like with one less n or something. It's very confusing. <laughs> we got too many saints. Yeah. Yeah, we need to get. We just need less saints. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's wrong. That's, that's the no, wrong way. That's the opposite of what we need. 
<laughs> we need more. One other thing to mention about the 12 days of Christmas is, you know, there's kind of that <clears throat> urban legend or myth or whatever you want to call it that the 12 days of Christmas were like an underground catechism for Catholics, you know, in the English Reformation, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, like, uh, here, I've got it. So, two turtle doves, the Old and New Testaments, three French hens, faith, hope, charity, theological virtues. Um, the thing about it is that's probably not true because what? how does that help you remember faith, hope, and charity, three French hens? You know, there's no intrinsic connection between those two. No. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have a conversation about the connection, you might as well have a conversation about right. the actual topic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> and it's not like only Catholics had the Old and New Testaments. <laughs> it's like when the Anglicans still had the same um, division of the, you know, they may not have the um, the Deuterocanon, but, you know, there's still got the same, same theological virtue. So, I mean, it's just basic Christian catechesis here. And some of it gets a little uh, iffy, like 11 Pipers Piping is the 11 faithful <laughs> apostles. <laughs> 12 drummers drumming are the 12 points of doctrine in the Apostles' Creed. Like, I feel there could be more points um, delineated uh, from the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, I would say that's a stretch. Yeah. But again, when you talk about theology, it's always something you're digging up. So, it might not make complete sense to us at the moment, but I'm sure once you have the conversations, there's probably something in there. Yeah, there probably is some kernel of truth to it. And I, I think... Um, you know the the tree itself. Um, there is a very Christological meaning to the tree. You know, and um, my true love and the tree, in, in terms of the cross. Yeah, I've I've definitely heard that the, but the in terms tree of, is representative of the cross. But the the, the three French hens things and the eleven faithful apostles. Uh, so you can take anything anything in popular culture and and relate it to the bible somehow or relate it to catholicism somehow um i mean or or like wizard of oz connecting to the politics at the time like that um, that actually i, I yeah. actually read a, a book on that in high school and that made complete sense it made complete yeah, sense. Yeah, it's. I, I just went and cool googled thing. the the twelve the uh, twelve days of Christmas, the three French hens, and was reading something, and and, and there's nothing to indicate that three French hens ha- by any means <laughs> relates to faith, hope, and love. They're just saying they stand for. It. Yeah. How does how does that help? How is that a mnemonic? <laughs> I mean, the, were the were the French at the time known for being those virtues? Not for, to the English. <laughs> <laughs> Five golden rings, the first five books of the Old Testament. Why would I need to know <laughs> that? Why do I need a mnemonic to remember that the first five books, there were five of them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it was five golden pentatooks. <laughs> yeah, where do the rings come in? That might help. <laughs> ten lords are leaping for the Ten Commandments? Yeah, what the. So ten guys jumping around are going to remind you of the the hard and fast rules of the Lord's love for you. Yeah, the Lord's typically well, breaking the commandments. Well, maybe it's that the Lord leaps when we break the commandments. Yeah, uh, it's like ten Lord's yeah. leaping. Like the Lord is leaping ten times, but you keep oh. breaking the commandments. Because you send ten. I like that. Every, every time you break a rule, the Lord jumps. 
And so nine ladies dancing is nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. When you when you uh, get the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you make the Holy Spirit lady oh, dance. Perfect. <laughs> Except that the Holy we're not Spirit getting lady? into the. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Well, we're not. That would. That's that whole God is a female mm. sort of thing. We're not going there. That, that's bad. <laughs> bad stuff. No, I've been uh, I've been I've been that, reading that the uh, the Marvel comics uh, a lot of them and I don't, I don't know if you know this but uh, death is represented by a woman in in all of it uh, like throughout the whole Marvel universe uh, death is a woman and she always goes to uh, there's hmm. a couple of characters that she goes to and Thanos is one of them and uh, so is Deadpool. <laughs> Oh yeah, is that is is that Thanos' yeah, yeah. wife yeah, well, or something? It, the, he calls her his mistress, or the mother they of call, his children. He calls her his <laughs> mistress. Um, so he's not married to her, but mm. he says, "My mistress, death." Uh, so, and and basically, in Thanos' sole purpose uh, in in basically all of his travels is to please his mistress, death. Hmm. Yeah. Trying, let's see. Is it Captain Marvel? I uh, see because it's interesting because in DC, you know, it's it's, it's your typical um, uh, Grim Reaper, right. uh, and she she actually looks like the Grim Reaper, except to Thanos oh, and Deadpool. Okay. Well, actually, she prefers to appear as the Grim Reaper to Deadpool because Deadpool prefers it that way for some reason. I don't know, but then to Thanos, she appears as a woman, like with skin and all, but. To, to Deadpool and to all others, she has no skin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gross. <laughs> the um, what I'm thinking about as you're talking. So we were just mentioning um, Captain Marvel, or actually Marvel. Captain Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and um, t- uh, you know, like the, the older, older Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel's Captain Marvel. And so he, uh, and like, is one of those um, kind of miles, major milestones in comic book history that the death of Captain mm-hmm. Marvel, he actually dies of cancer. And, hmm. uh, you know, comics, that was kind of the time of age of comics where they're only beginning to address kind of harder subjects mm-hmm. like that. Like, um, uh, Green Arrow finds his sidekick like shooting heroin or something, oh, like dang. on the cover. And yeah, like it was, they're really starting to address some of these things. And so, Captain Marvel dying of cancer, it makes me the cover. You've got, it's kind of crazy. It's it's the Grim Reaper holding Captain Marvel in his arms. But if you look at it and just Google the death of Captain Marvel cancer, like cover image of the comic book, it's the Pieta. <laughs> it's it looks exactly like the Pieta. <laughs> It's like a little mirror image of it. I think Christ is uh-huh. facing the other direction, but yeah, it's even you know how in oh, uh, Michelangelo's Pieta. I mean, yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. It I th- um, even that is interesting. <laughs> isn't that crazy? Yes, that's just kind of kind of weird. But even the elongation mm-hmm. of the body, you know, with the mannerism that you know Michelangelo, yeah. like Jesus would have had like extra vertebrae if he was that long, kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of and the Mary interesting is the huge. Connection. Yeah, never or death is huge. Yeah, Mary is giant. So here's a question: How do you see this stuff? 
Or how do you like figure out, again, these different imageries between, I guess, modern secular pieces of art and sacred art images? I mean, because I'm assuming, I mean, the writers, they are artists themselves. And so they don't, I mean, not everything they come up with is absolutely original, but I would never see this image and say, wow, that's the Pieta, mm. you know? I feel like your question Sitting is now. I'm um, like, would I have seen it? Too deep. <laughs> would me? I have seen it if not <laughs> for Scott mentioning it there? And I, I feel like the comic bar, book artist is gonna be like, ah, nobody's gonna know what I'm copying right. here. <laughs> right. Or if you ask them that question, he'd be like, no, like that's not where it but comes it's, from. It's what are you talking about? You know? a, a, a rendition of it. Like you, you can't negate it after seeing it. Yeah, once you see it, it's kind of... Well, I mean, there's that old line. I think it was either Shaw or Oscar Wilde or or maybe Vonnegut stealing it from them. He said that, you know, the 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 good artists mm-hmm. will copy, but the greatest artists will outright steal. <laughs> or in terms of writing, plagiarize. Yeah. You, know? you know, actually, now that you say that, in reference to my uncle, <laughs> he has said... And I don't want this going too public, but he has told me there is no such thing as like a new theologian, or a new heresy, <laughs> or new heresies. Right? The only ones that are successful are those who paraphrase the best. Yeah, yeah. I need to work on my paraphrasing skills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really curious in this oh, cover yeah. uh, cover thing now. Well, we I, it might be a good um can write. Jim Starlin, if he's still alive, I don't know. Well, he might be the author, not he, the artist. He actually is the artist too. It looks like. Yeah. Oh, he is. Cool. <laughs> we what? I'll, I might um, email him and, and ask. It'd be really cool if he's like, no one's ever asked that before. I've been waiting, <laughs> I've been waiting my whole life for somebody to say. <laughs> but no, it's true. I just opened a new window of my browser and put a Pieta it's next to that image, and yeah, it's it's almost a mirror. It is flipped. Was yeah, I right about that? No, it's not flipped. Oh, it's, it's original. Not? Okay, cool. Wow. And you know, one one thing um, I'm sad to say about the Pieta, because a little backstory in, in my I went to public school almost the whole way, and in high school, um, the only time religion was ever really discussed was in AP European history, and I had this amazing European history teacher. And she actually cried when she was describing the Pieta, which, wow. you know, in a public school, you're like, well, that's never going to happen, uh, especially today. But um, when my wife and I um, went to uh, Rome for our honeymoon um, to get the, the papal blessing on our marriage, um, we, you know, we walked in St. Peter's and I looked to my right and I'm like, Oh, that can't be the real Pieta. And I just kept walking. <laughs> and I didn't I never came back to it. Like, you know, it was, it was super crowded and all that stuff, but we ne- I never came back to like get within 20 feet of the thing. And um so I'm a huge loser for that. Just shame on you. Yeah, I just needed to confess that. Appreciate y'all listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So here's the question. Talk about going to room. True story. I remember I don't know how long y'all want to stay on this, but and a little off topic, but I don't know if you recall, but Ash and I went to BRCC at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I was there for a little bit. And 
And I do remember... For our listeners, that's Baton Rouge Community College. Baton Rouge Community College. Um, I remember we both were taking a history class at the same time, but it was a different history. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm still giggling about this. Oh, no. <laughs> um, they, in her class, were talking about the Sistine Chapel... Uh, but in particular, I think the topic was like nudity in art. And <laughs> oh, and that special artist that came around and drew uh, little fig leaves or bits of cloth on all the all the private yes. parts. <laughs> yes, is that the, is so, that Larry? What you were gonna say? I was just yes. Oh, and damn. so <laughs> they were talking about it, and she was like, "Yeah." She goes, "I can't believe like you know like they had like nudity in the Sistine Chapel and like in the Vatican." She's like, "That's so like you know that's so undignified." And I was kind of leaned <laughs> in. I was like, "Well, you know." <laughs> other popes actually ordered they be restored to their original nudity right like be restored to their original beauty and she was completely shocked like she had never heard of that before <laughs> um so it was just i don't know it was an interesting topic and it was around that point where as i guess you mentioned at the very beginning like started studying theology of the body oh um, yeah that's cool to mark that yeah but uh but it's just interesting to see like in a history class and her i don't want to call it naivety but like you know, the fact of nudity being within a church or within, you know, like sacred art was like, it was a no-no. <laughs> Wasn't supposed to happen. And you kind of got to ask yourself, could something like that happen again? And even as I'm saying that, I'm like, yeah, of course it, it did happen again in the 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, and kind of that period where the Catholics almost adopted the iconoclasticism of the Protestants. And we painted over all our some of our most beautiful murals Mm -hmm. um like here in baton rouge um st joseph cathedral um they just painted over all of it (laughs) yeah it's uh, that's that was just a catastrophe (laughs) the Mm -hmm. the 1970s on catholic churches and 80s too it truly truly was disheartening have you ever seen uh what it was a book that came out i think it was a centennial celebration book or 50 year book for the diocese of batters oh yeah do you remember and they have some original photos of the cathedral before Mm -hmm. renovations it's like Mm -hmm. a completely different building that's so sad to hear that because like you know the um the nave i guess i'm probably getting that wrong but you know the back of the altar um where you've got that stone Mm -hmm. wall Right, it's like Gabatha, you know. Is that the stone pavement? Um, that's what I feel like when I look at the behind the altar, like this the harsh stone pavement of the of the crucifixion, and um, that wasn't original to the building. It was more of a curved back, and you had mm-hmm. uh, stained glass windows, you know, long vertical mm-hmm. stained glass windows, and yep. they just like let's just put a wall here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh God, this is terrible. And then also that time, you know, I, it wasn't so much iconoclasticism, but I guess kind of an adoption of a un-Eucharistic Protestant, uh, you know, understanding. They, you started getting the the uh, the tabernacle defocused, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. shifting the focus away from it by putting it off to the side or you know, wherever. Yeah. <sighs> it's a little jump, but I actually remember when I was a missionary in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau the church that we went to that was by our house was um saint bernadette and right before we moved into that house they had done some renovations and completely redid the inside and the interior 
And to say it was horrendous is to be generous. Oh, no. Um, there was like a wavy glass paneling behind the altar. <laughs> and then um, they took the tabernacle from the center and then moved it off into a corner. And same, like, put, like, this wavy glass shrouding, like, around the front of it. And it was just, it was awful. Um, but the priest there now um, has since put in a new initiative and completely redid the altar area to where it's all hand-carved and wood. Mm. Um, awesome. You know, and actually restored it to what it was, I guess, what the original intent was supposed to be. Move the, the tabernacle back, you know, near the altar and... Um, it's drastically different uh but again it was just it's weird to imagine that you know for people to want to go to church to be in a sacred space yet vote and you know have this like i guess push to change something from what is not originally sacred um i don't know it's just yeah, a weird I, feeling. Well, it's a one weird of the things that i heard uh and and Keep in mind that this is this is how it was at, at St. Jesus Seminary College uh, at the Abbey over there, uh, and at many many churches. Uh, yeah, in that's Covington, Covington right? Uh, or technically in St. Benedict is actually in its own little city. Um, oh my God! <laughs> yeah, <better. right>. um, <laughs> but one of the main arguments for moving the tabernacle to one side of the altar or one side of the church is to give people better access to the tabernacle um, bringing Christ closer to the people now I'm not saying that I agree with it <laughs> or at least half yeah. the people well, right? <laughs> it's, it's for people to go in like outside of mass and spend some time with Christ and this was before the, uh, the uh, a bunch of churches had these perpetual adoration chapels you know um, but they kept mm -hmm. the church doors hmm, open and so instead of having them go up on the altar uh, in, in, in the sanctuary area um, they would move Jesus over to the side, allowing them. That's why you always see kneelers right there, you know, um, giving them some time to spend with Christ in the tabernacle. But with the development and the uh, the implementation implementation of perpetual adoration chapels, um, there's really no need for it anymore. That's That's a, that perspective makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, I you know for me it's just the the church is a recapitulation of the temple is a recapitulation mm -hmm. of the tabernacle of Moses is a recapitulation of what Moses saw on top of Mount Sinai and the Moses's tabernacle um, had the Ark of the Covenant mm -hmm. you know at the very center um, you know that you would like you would process in from the east gate you know straight into the Ark of the Covenant and the um, course and it, based on that you know the the altar was kind of to the side so that kind of cuts both <laughs> ways i guess <laughs> okay so i got um another i mean that's a whole conversation topic too not to we maybe can circle back to that but i just wanted to say um did y'all hear about father bahi jeff bahi and um zachary he just built a new church there i don't know um, what you're talking about but i know who father jeff bahi is and zachary yeah, y'all, and some of this I'm, you know, given for the listener. Um, so Father Jeff Bahi, he, he uh, is one of our local, one of our Baton Rouge Diocesan priests. He uh, cut a record with Aaron Neville. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and found and when he looked back to his bank account a couple years down the road he saw he had couple million dollars use that to start metanoia manor uh which is this amazing shelter for victims of sex trafficking human trafficking um but so he recently built a new church in in zachary louisiana and he was able to get the altarpiece the pews the the cabinetry for the sacristy all that original woodwork he uh bought from a church um, kind of a de- I think it was a decommissioned church um, in upstate New York. Uh, and in that purchase, which I think he spent maybe 40000 all that, which, you, you know, to get, even to get the cheap stuff in, it would be mm-hmm. more expensive than that, much less, you know, hand-wrought woodwork, right? Which is just priceless these days. Um, but with that price also came the stained glass of the mm-hmm. of that church. Um, up in upstate New York and right as they were about to start taking that down to send it down to Louisiana package it and send it down the historical society let's say Rochester or Buffalo um, said uh, prevented the stained glass from being taken from the building because the exterior of the building uh, had historical significance and the stained glass was part of the exterior so they they stopped the sale well, dang. Yeah, well, then come to find out that the new tenant in the church, um, uh, it became a mosque. And the um, imam or whatever leader of the congregation um, put black cloth over all the stained glass windows because they didn't want that. <laughs> you know, they didn't want that to be right. seen in their mosque. So, yeah, I mean, isn't that... This is the terrible irony <laughs> of all that, but he did get a really good deal on the uh, the wood the woodwork. Man, and I don't say that's common now, but uh, also St. Pius Parish here in Lafayette Diocese recently had a similar, I guess, arrangement. Um, a number of the items around the church they have uh, different statues of the apostles and also the Baldacchino and the altar section, I believe. Um, were all recovered from the decommissioned church cool yeah and so you know the majority of the building itself is a little more modern however a lot of the main articles within the church are recovered from another um and you know they're very good placings that that would be kind of neat to uh kind of kind of build a home from things from a decommissioned church you know like uh, I don't I don't know if that's sacrilegious or anything, but for faithful Catholics, you know, uh, to to build a home, it'd be pretty sweet. Commission church stuff that would be awesome. Like stained glass cool. windows, church pews, you know, the wood floors. That'd be really neat. There's a not to sound weird, but I've actually got a Paschal <laughs> candle in my living room. <laughs> we um when they were replacing the roof at St. Mary's here in New Roads, um, I raided the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> I got all the wood that you know didn't have termite damage, uh, and we incorporated it into our house. I made bookshelves <laughs> out of it, and um, the original St. Mary's when they were demolishing it, they were just about to throw away all the wood. But um, I forget the person who did it. But there, um, y'all might remember on False River, there's a a home that has like a lot of windows and the paint's kind of peeling off of it it's across from like the fire station yes and uh 
Yeah, like a center for the arts kind of right around there. Okay. Uh-huh. That was that was made from the windows and the wood from the original yeah. St. Mary's. What? Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, how how often that sort of thing happened that people just disposed of things like that and now these days, you know, reclaimed wood is so precious and expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so so much was lost, or like when Napoleon the Third um, decided to widen the boulevards in Paris, you know, and just just mowed down, you know, whole neighborhoods to make like the Champs Elysees and stuff like that. Kind of makes you sick. I know. I'm trying to. I'm actually kicking myself. It was a while back. Um, so here, right next to the so in the Diocese of Lafayette, there's the uh, the diocesan office. Right next to that is a school, St. John Paul the Great, um, which used to be a monastery. I can't remember exactly which order it was. Is that is so the cathedral? That's the one with that the the live oak, the really old live oak ne- next to it. Yes, okay. yes, the cathedral does have the live oak that's like over four hundred years old. Wow. Um, but not there. So actually, the diocesan office is oh. off of Carmel Drive, okay. which is a little a little ways out of town. Um, but next to that, it's an old. It was an old monastery that is now a private school. Oh, you said you're telling, you said JP two Institute, right? John Paul the Great. John Paul the Great. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It's a school, um, which used to be a monastery slash uh, home for religious order. I can't remember oh, which order it was. Wow. But anyways, on the grounds, all of the buildings there are you know 100 plus years old. Well, the principal and the headmaster at the time, uh, was that Peter they Fletcher? were trying. It was Peter Fletcher. They were demolishing a old house and barn and so it was myself and one other friend and like a couple other people they told us like look if you want to salvage any of this wood we'll give you a couple days to come in and take whatever you want after that we're you know we're demolishing it and so i remember going to help my friend and we recovered like some beautiful long i'm talking like 14 15 foot uh cypress planks they're probably hand hewn hand planed oh yeah oh yeah so beautiful, beautiful wood, and I remember helping him harvest a ton of stuff, but I didn't keep much for myself. And now I'm like, I'm like, man, Kicking I should yourself. have kept a couple things. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Oh, good. You know, not just the you know the the fact to say like you know this is from you know this historical building, but I mean these things again like can tell how many people have either been in that home or have used that barn or even the religious brothers, you know, that were part of that property that use those buildings so much history and, and memories that are probably there that are tied to that wood well I'll say that this um our sponsor for uh this ep- this first episode and some of our first episodes is holy water books um a publisher a small imprint publisher of uh catholic books um, some of the books i've written and uh, one of our f- I, y'all know brian costello uh, met him at the Minnegod Conference. Oh, okay, gotcha. Or the Immaculata Conference. Right. That's that's another thing we should probably mention. The Men of the Immaculata Conference, conference coming up um, for it's a Catholic men's conference. Uh, men from all over southern Louisiana come. It's March 9th, which is the first Saturday of Lent. We try to always uh, put on the first Saturday of Lent. Um, what we'll have to do, because we'll probably all be together, um, mm-hmm. For the men's conference, we should do a, a podcast there at the conference, and maybe get like Tim Staples or something to to join us. Fun. I think we could probably, yeah, I think we could swing that. Yeah, that was a great idea. 
I mean, I'm definitely going to be there uh, having a table for the Knights of Columbus uh, insurance and uh, hopefully just for recruiting Knights of Columbus members. So, um, yeah. And if anybody listening might be interested Absolutely. in that. Um, Go to uh, www.kofc.org backslash join us. Uh, you can actually become an e-member today. Uh, and uh, you can find out more information about the Knights uh, on their website. And Hey, feel free to get in touch with me. Uh, I'll, I'll be happy to talk to you more about the Knights. Do you want to um, have a particular yeah, email yeah, or something? Actually, or I can provide <laughs> it. Read at kofc.org uh, is a great email to reach me at. That's my work email. Uh, and I, that's the one that I pay attention to the most. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thank you to Holy Water Books, our uh, sponsor for uh, today's podcast. Um, if you'd like to check out the catalog of books uh, offered by Holy Water, uh, you can check them out at uh, holywaterbooks.com. Again, that's holywaterbooks.com. I guess that uh, wraps up um, our f- first couple podcasts anything else uh colby you want to mention uh christmas wise 12 days of christmas wise um uh theme song wise we still haven't figured out what our theme song is going to be no we haven't i guess uh let's figure out something before the next one but no if i did start making some other comments we'd be talking for another 30 minutes so yeah probably should uh, <laughs> yeah we working on our <laughs> third wrap it up. <laughs> right right all right well uh thanks everybody for listening um we hope to continue doing this on a maybe every every couple weeks basis um we'll be talking about current catholic events nerd nerdiness nerdery um and anything that you might submit to us to talk about um thanks so much for listening god bless and uh we'll We'll see you next time. Running.